Mangrel Podcast 27 coming at you from the Under the Bed Studios in the luxurious north of Melbourne. <laughs> luxurious. Weren't we locked down like one of the only suburbs to get locked down at one point? Yeah, we're pretty grody. Yeah, luxurious <laughs> indeed. Compared to one, like the one a little bit more north where we're pretty good. Yeah, they're way dirty. Yeah, they're, they're filthy. <laughs> <laughs> filthy Jakarnans. <laughs> I don't think we've got anyone from Jakarna that listens, and if we do, well feel sorry for you guys um it'd be worse if you were from dallas anyway <laughs> everyone's just frantically googling <laughs> yeah. which suburbs not to buy in that's right well if you're buying near us property values dropped considerably when we moved in didn't they yeah but now they're so high we cannot afford anywhere else even in this suburb well it sucks to be us anyway <laughs> mrs mongrel two sets of cupcakes this week yes Yes. Amazing. One that was edible for the child who kept us up last night. Look, I, I don't know what was going on with her, but she was kicking me, accusing me of hurting her throat. <laughs> <laughs> this kid's nuts. Meanwhile, she's patting me and telling me, I love you, mum. Yeah, I don't get that sort of stuff. <laughs> I, I get accused of abuse and you get all the love and affection. She also said to me that you're an evil vampire. <laughs> I should watch out. Well, finally the truth comes out. Um, look... I don't know about you, but you know we've been critical of players over the last little while. Like their fitness, three their, years. Their yeah. fitness, you know, the the way they operate late in games and stuff. We walked up a hill <laughs> two days ago. Now, I think I might have a heart problem. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I think you've got a lot of. Problems. I've been exhausted since. I'm feeling not myself. I'm like, oh, my calf muscles are going to explode. Our daughter, four years old, decided we should walk up this huge hill, like you know, just basically a forty-five. 45 degree angle this hill would be maybe maybe 50 degrees who yeah, knows it might have been a bit higher anyway i'm still suffering two days later and um it's a sad state of affairs here we're recording this monday afternoon hold on it is a but, sad state of affairs because you've always been proud of your calves and calves are my fine. calves are rubbish and mine aren't hurting my calves are built for show now <laughs> there's nothing nothing to them except for show uh there's no power no no stamina <laughs> We're just, they're just there for, it's like a, they're like a muscle car that sits in the showroom, but you get into it and it's like got an old V-dub engine and just like puts along. They're, they're my calf muscles. Very sad. Now, we're recording this Monday afternoon. We've still got one game to go in the final round of the year. And unfortunately for this podcast, because we'll have to come back tonight and finish it off, but this game tonight has the potential to reshape the final eight. All the, all the teams are set. So the eight teams in the eight are finalised now. No one can go in, no one can go out. But Port are sitting second, Collingwood are sitting sixth, I believe, maybe seventh. I should have really checked that. And depending on who wins, the the com- the combinations of who plays who next week, all or not next week, the week after, all change depending on tonight. So we'll be back after this game to uh, offer all the the opinions on the next or the first week of the, the finals. But uh, right now, we're a bit lost. We've got that, the eight teams. Victoria's going to come out of lockdown just in time for... Looks like it's just in time for the, the finals to start, which sucks. Um, it's pretty hopeful of you. <laughs> well, you know, we're corona-ridden down here. We've got nothing going on. Lost all the footy finals. No, I mean, it's hopeful that you think we're going to come out of lockdown. Well, I'm really hopeful that it happens <laughs> end of this week. Oh. To a degree, 
even just a small degree. I'm really hopeful just a small degree. I don't know, people are protesting. And I'm like, what are you doing? If this gets worse, what? (laughs) Yeah, look, once we come out of it, I don't think we can go back, so. No. Yeah, it kind of serves us right. We're a bunch of idiots down here. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of idiots, the D's, one of your teams that you actually like. Hey. They did something right for a change and actually got up and put themselves in contention for the finals. They beat Essendon. So he just knew something was going to go wrong for them, right? Because in the last couple of years, Melbourne have very rarely done two things right in a row. So they had the chance a while back to secure spots in the eight. They lost. They have this chance to do it again and jump back into the eight. They actually did it, but they were reliant on the Western Bulldogs losing. Look, we're moving up slowly and steadily. We're not just some flash in the pan, like, I don't know, the Tigers or something. (laughs) Yeah, those terrible premiership winning flash in the pans. How many times have they won? I don't actually know. Two out of the last three. All right. All right. Well, look, I don't know what I'm talking about, so I'm going to stand by it. Quite possibly three out of the last four in about a month and a half time. <laughs> anyway, so Frio, no, they actually needed uh, they needed Frio to beat the dogs. And I was actually pretty high on Fremantle before this game. I thought, oh, they got the right combination here to, to take it right up to the dogs. Western Bulldogs were excellent. Fremantle played without, I think, one of their keys to the game in Matt Taberner. We've been talking about him a fair bit this year. He's got hands like buckets. Means he's a good catcher. You look at me. No. You thought he's not deformed. <laughs> he's not just walking around like, you know, with I really do water, want to Google him water. now, but I'm, I'm going to restrain myself for a bit. So the Dogs beat them. They jumped in. The Saints gave the Giants a nice old touch-up, and they're in their first final series for nine years. Now, we're going to jump... jump past them for the time being because people have wanted you to speak specifically about the saints so i'm guessing that given you're so big on research you've done a lot of research about them and you're going to come fully armed with a whole heap of stuff in about 20 minutes time i'm the laziest librarian (laughs) ever ever yeah i I just want to know first but before we move on are you claiming this success i mean there was one point where you were claiming Hawthorne's success, the repeated grand finals and victories as your influence on the team. And now that you've kind of shifted away from them, they've plummeted down the ladder. And you're on St Kilda, and they're on an upward tr- upward trend here. Ruffy left. I left. What can you do? Yeah. Like I said, I'm waiting for Hawthorne to step up with somebody who's sort of a bit weird and awkward and... Just, now, yeah. Mrs. Mungrel is a bit of a maritime Good. expert. Oh. I believe the term that, you, that you'd use to describe her is a fair-weather sailor in terms of her teams. She jumps on and jumps off, depending on who's winning. That's pretty fair. <laughs> depending on which coach looks, looks the saddest. Yep. All looks like they're just eating from stress. Well, some of them more than others. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Someone at this table, actually, has um, been eating from stress. So the All-Australian team, Mrs. Mungrel, one of your, uh, the, the, a night of nights for you, really, in the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> I know you kind of, you know, turn your phone off and uh, won't answer the door, put the, put the kids That's to bed every early. every single day. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. It's just one long string of All-Australian nights for you. Being announced this Thursday kind of snuck up on us a little bit. Uh, here at the Mungrel, we'll be releasing our cumulative, c- cumulative? Compiled? Compiled. All-Australian team on Wednesday night. We got a bit of a hurry up this morning from one of our writers who 
said, hey, uh, we better get onto this. We don't want to be releasing ours after the official team has been released. But I thought we'd run through a few of the players who could be locks, or I think they're locks in the team. So we've got to, we'll start with defense. And whether you know them or not, you can kind of just nod or you know nod off or do whatever you do there. <laughs> nod off is pretty yeah. accurate. It's all right. I think Luke Ryan from Fremantle is a lock. I think he will sit on a halfback flank in this team. He, without giving too much away, he's right up there in our defensive rankings at the Mungle that we put out each week. He had a probably four or five week stretch where he was almost untouchable and recorded some of the highest amounts we've had in that system. Fantastic rebound 50 defender, fantastic interceptor, plays on big forwards as well and gets the job done. Nick Haynes, Shelley's Shelley's boy. Shelley's boy. Yep, on the other halfback flank. I think we like Shelley more than we like Nick. Well, look, Nick's got some <laughs> redeeming qualities, but Shelley engages, so we're on, we're on your bandwagon here, Shelley. <laughs> and I reckon that he's held that defense together in GWS at points where they look like they're going to fall apart. They lost Sam Taylor really early in the piece this year. They lost Phil Davis or two-thirds of the way through the season. And I reckon they could have went to water. In a way, they did. The whole team did. But Nick Haynes still had some really big performances throughout the year. I reckon he deserves his spot. Brother Maynard and his holy hand grenade in the back pocket. I think he's well and truly earned his spot back there. Played on couple of big, big opponents has been... They've, they've tried to tag him at times. I don't know what's happening with this holy hand grenade thing, but suddenly That's football from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. more interesting. Oh, okay. Oh, come on now. Excuse me, I might have to get Mrs. McGreen luggage oh, back here if you here. don't get up to speed with what's happening <laughs> in pop culture 30 years ago. <laughs> anyway, I'm thinking the other, other threat to him might be Brad Shepard out of West Coast or Jordan Ridley who just won Essendon's Best and Fairest on, I want to say last night, but I think it was the night before, which is quite extraordinary that they they came out of losing on Saturday, and I'm pretty sure they had their Best and Fairest within like 24 hours, the event, and he won that. So the other bloke that could sneak in is Jake Lloyd from Sydney. Here's his numbers for the year. He's got almost 26 touches a game. He's fifth overall in the league in metres gained. He's fifth in intercepts. He's second in rebound 50s. It's very, very difficult to ignore those sort of numbers. But there's a perception with this guy that he doesn't actually play on anyone. He's just a bit of a... The term they use is seagull. He just goes around and picks up the the chips after you throw them on the ground. and Runs away with them. But I've been watching him this season, and he doesn't play that way. He may have in the past, and I'm sure that even some Sydney fans would put their hand up and say, yeah, look, Jake Lloyd, you know, he kind of just fed off. Dane Rampey when he was there but he's elevated his game since Rampey went down and got hurt and it wouldn't surprise me if he sneaks in there people had Basher Hawley in there last year and he played a very similar game to the way Jake Lloyd plays at the moment Lloyd's just doing it on a worse team Hawley kind of got success by being on Richmond's team last year I think you might have to pick one out of Darcy Moore or Jacob Wiedering and the other one might make the bench I think I've said on this podcast before, my preference is Darcy Moore. But, you know, he might cock up really bad tonight and get seven goals kicked on him and everyone will say, oh, Jacob Wiedering should make it. I guess we'll soon see. At fullback, you've got a toss-up between Harris Andrews 
or Stephen May. Stephen May has finished really, really strong. Harris Andrews missed the last three games with a hamstring injury. So, or two games, and then he was injured in the other one. So, you're looking at that thinking, has Andrews done enough? Well, I looked at it, he's had more intercepts and more one percenters or spoils in 14 games than Mays had in 17. So I'm like, eh, the recency bias kind of works against Andrews a little bit. But if we're looking at the big picture in the overall season, I think Andrews gets in and May could probably consider himself pretty unlucky. If we move into the midfield, we've got guys like Lockie Neal. Lock, there's no way he can miss. Christian Petrarca. Your eyes didn't light. Oh, they did light up. There they go. <laughs> Just took a little while to register. He's an absolute lock as well. I think he gets a gig in the in the midfield, although it wouldn't surprise me if they plonk him on the half-forward flank. And on one of the wings, you'd put Sam Menegola. If this doesn't happen, if he doesn't make this team for some reason, I would not blame Geelong fans for rioting. Seriously, he's been the best wingman in the competition by a country mile all season. We've been pointing it out every week in our best wingman rankings that we have. He's he's so far ahead in that. I haven't done this week's rankings because it's still a game to go, but it would take a miracle for him. He could fall over and go backwards by 100 points and still win this competition. So for him to be anything but in the All-Australian team would be an absolute crime. you got Travis Boak, Jack Steele. Hey. Hey, him with the cool name. Clayton Oliver. Hey. Another one you like. <laughs> yeah. All in contention there as well. The Ruck's really interesting. I reckon we've narrowed it down to Nick Natanui or Todd Goldstein. Todd. They matched up last week. Did they? And basically fought to a draw. I was oh, thinking, oh, wow. this lovely. Would... Not really. It makes it really difficult. I, I like it. I think Natanui wins. I think he's had more influence on games when he has played. Goldstein's just, he's a bit of a plotter. He plods along, does some really good things. Natanui has massive impact when he plays. And when, he, I think he only plays like 65% of game time. Maybe 70. Goldstein probably up more around the 80% mark. But Nick Nananui has just been brilliant and taken over games a couple of weeks ago. took over the game in the last quarter and basically willed West Coast home over St Kilda. So looking at that, I don't think you can dispute that he's going to be in there. Of course, some will dispute that. So you can dispute it if you really want. Will you dispute that? Yeah, you might. I think contradictory person <laughs> up forward Tom Hawkins picks himself picks his nose who knows what he does picks other people's nose nah he's he's in he can't be replaced in this team I reckon Dan Butler's done enough to get himself in there as well Liam Ryan or Tom Papley very big questions I think this weekend Tom Papley had a chance to really establish himself as the front runner I think he kicked two goals five and what are you smiling about here? I'm sorry, look. HP has these notes, very, very brief notes for me to look at as he goes along. And I swear I just read, did he blow him on the weekend? I didn't write that. <laughs> and I was just like, what? Well, that's, what? A, that's one way to get in. Why didn't anybody tell me about this? And it's not. It's... Well, you do get excited when their pants come down <laughs> in a game. Imagine they took it's it a step further. Favorite part. <laughs> so Papley kicked. I'll just wait for you to stop giggling. And then he said, "It actually says, did he blow it on the weekend?" Mm, thank you for elaborating. Mm. He kicked two goals, five. He could have been the difference for the Swans in that game and wasn't. I'm not sure 
if that makes a difference to most people. He had a great start to the season. Ryan's had a fantastic end to the season, including a couple of best on grounds in the last month. A bit of a toss-up. Usually selectors, they, they end up going for the person who's playing well at the end. So wouldn't surprise me if Liam Ryan gets in and Tom Papley gets the boot to the bench, if he makes it at all. You've got Charlie Dixon and Matt Tabiner. I don't think both of those guys can get in. Their numbers are pretty similar going into this last game. So if Dixon comes out and has a big game, Tabiner didn't play this weekend, I think he probably gets in over, over Tabs. He's probably had a better impact on games than Tabiner. He's been more like your Goldstein to Dixon's Nat Nui kind of presence. So I'd go with Charlie Dixon. Don't know if Dusty's done enough to muscle his way into another selection. He's He had 12 turnovers on the weekend out of 20-something. Like yeah, it's a heap. And he kicked out of bounds on the full four times. Yet he was still probably the best player on the ground. Oh dear. So I'm not really sure how people will look at his season and whether or not he'll he'll get in. But last season, they didn't have him in the side and he was an absolute beast in the finals and won another Norm Smith medal. Obviously, Richmond wins the flag. People would have been questioning, how can't you have this guy in there? He's the best player in the competition. But his home and away season was pretty average. It's been better this year. It wouldn't surprise me if he gets in. Dangerfield had a relatively so slow start to the season, but has really come on in the last month as well. So, yeah, tune in Wednesday. We'll see if uh, we can get our predictions right at the Mongrel. Most probably not, but... <laughs> You know, we might surprise and get get a few right. And uh, I think last year we ended up having a team that was comparable to the All-Australian team. We might even put out the All-Australian B team at some time over the next fortnight. You, you can't make it any worse than the official one. Didn't they make Buddy, like, the leader of all and sundry and... Yeah, leader of the free world, I yeah, believe. Yeah, and um, he was... Buddy Obama, his and name was. <laughs> and didn't he talk about, yeah, just kick it to me. Full yeah. leadership, that fella. It was obvious that he hadn't prepared for that accolade. Yeah. And when he was named All-Australian captain, ah, oh, buddy, do you have any advice that you'd give to your teammates? Yeah, just kick it to me. No, buddy. No. Moving right along, speaking of awards, there's one we've just thought of today, and uh, it's not a not the sort of award you'd want to be nominated for, but there's been some absolute knobhead kind of actions this year due to the fact that we've had an extraordinary set of circumstances where players and coaches and families and anyone connected to the club has to kind of adhere to and we've seen plenty of them slip up so we thought we're just wondering who you'd think would be the knobhead of the year this year and there's quite a few nominations actually and I expect a few more in the next couple of days as teams wind up for the season and start letting their hair down all sorts of hair their back hair, their pubic hair. They'll be letting hair <laughs> down all over the place. Amazing. So the first nomination we've got is one of your favourites. Who you, you actually went to town on this person when they screwed up really early in the in the hub piece. Ms. Brooke Cochin, when she went to the day spa. Yeah, it was a bit dumb. No, no, you, 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 <laughs> you're trying to rein it in now. You're trying to bring it back and not be so offended and upset. But I believe idiotic was the word you used. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I did. Because she plastered it on social media and cost Richmond, in the end it cost them because it wasn't a suspended sentence. It was 25 plus 25 suspended, wasn't it? 
Doesn't it come off the administrative budget or something? Yeah, it comes off the, the soft cap for 2021. So she's the first nominee. She set them back. In the end, it was 50 grand because the suspended part was enacted after the second group of people from Richmond cocked up. So that was a pretty decent whack. Steel Sidebottom, who was caught, in inverted commas, semi-naked on the streets of Williamstown. Which which, which half? (laughs) Yeah, I think it was his left half. (laughs) So he was wearing half a suit. Love it. Just one leg of his Mm -hmm. pants, one arm of his shirt. That sounds about right. So he went out the wrong door thinking he was going to the to the toilet which you often do you know middle of the night don't and, believe it for a second yeah something something happened there anyway so he got a suspension and uh now he's off having a baby he's just had a baby and he's staying in melbourne so he's not a knobhead for having a baby although some would argue that, <laughs> that that's a real knobhead After thing to do sleepless night yeah bit of a knobhead move there Lockie hunter who's had actually had a fantastic second half of the year i have to put in there and I think if he had played all season, the Western Bulldogs would be in a better position than they are, and they finished in the finals anyway. However, early in the season, he got a bit of a COVID lockdown fever and jumped in his car and sideswiped three cars or something on the way home or at a friend's house or whatever. So he basically had to go and sit out for a while as well. He'll put in time out. More or less. Sweet. Yeah, and he came back, and to his credit, he actually had a really good year. You know, good finish of it. He's still got at least one more game to go in the finals. Sydney Stack and his buddy, hang on, I have to read this, Callum Coleman-Jones, CCJ, for their kebab fight outside an, outside of a strip joint in, uh, in the Gold Coast where they snuck out of the hub to go and uh, enjoy some strippers and also a kebab or two. So they, uh, they're right up there. That was the incident that ended up doubling the, the fine for Richmond, and that's 100 grand. So you'd think that there'd be two part-time specialists that would be gone from Richmond next year, which is, you know, pretty harsh. But wait, here comes a couple of late finishes. They're running down the track, they're running, and down the outside comes Harley Bennell. What's, who's he? Harley Bennell was recruited to Melbourne this year after having... Look, I can only count to 11 with my hands and my pants off. So he was well above that. Please, demonstrate. <laughs> Damn, this stupid rope. Um, so he was well above that in terms of his calf tears. He just had repeated calf tears at Fremantle, couldn't get on the park. Melbourne took a risk on him, brought him over. Just this past weekend, he's breached the COVID rules and has Melbourne has copped a, I think it's a $50,000 fine as well. And now he's suspended for the first four games of next year as well, should Melbourne retain him. So if it was touch and go as to whether you retain this bloke and you, you're really um and ahhing and you're thinking, oh, it's line ball, do we, do we keep him? And then he comes out and basically costs someone a job for next year and you can't pick him for the first four weeks anyway. For me, I'd be thinking... Get rid of him. Thanks for your time, Harley. Um, good luck with everything. Vince McMahon used to, say, used to say, we wish you luck in your future endeavours. That was the nicest way you could say piss off. So, but flying down the home straight comes Eddie Maguire, one of your favourites. <laughs> Jeff Kennett. Aww. I love when people, I love when one president slams the other. Oh, Jeff Kennett slams Eddie Maguire for going out to a nightclub on the Gold Coast. Now, it should be stressed 
that Eddie wasn't breaking any rules here. He's not part of the hub with Collingwood. He's, you know, doing what he does in the Gold Coast, filming TV shows, hanging out with his son. You know, and they, they went out for dinner and then they went out to a nightclub and people were taking photos with Eddie Maguire, putting him up on social media. People are looking at that going like, hang on a second, his club's in lockdown here. They're stuck at this hub. I don't know what sort of entertainment they have at the hub, but um, I'm guessing it's not nightclub kind of entertainment. I don't know. This is a pretty good hub. <laughs> Who knows? And Eddie uh, has come out basically saying it's a non-story. It, it really isn't in a lot of ways. I mean, it's a bloke going out with his son because his son's been locked up for six months with him. But it's more about the perception of this bloke who's in charge of the club going out and having a great time while his players... Underlings. Yeah, oh, sorry, underlings. Players. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, while they're stuck there doing the right thing with a final series coming on. It's almost like what's one rule for us and one rule for you. Because Nathan Buckley was also caught, remember? Mm-hmm. Going to play squash or tennis or whatever it was with Alicia the Mollusk, I think. <laughs> was was her name? Him and one of the coaches. So, oh, grand. Yeah, Colin would have had their fair share of hiccups. But yeah, stay tuned over the next week or so because as teams finish their campaigns... And they'll, they've been told not to have these big gatherings and not to go too wild. There's no fucking chance they're going to be sitting there twiddling their thumbs. Oh, they're going to lose their crap completely. If they're holidaying in Queensland, I can guarantee you we're going to get at least three stories about drunkenness, maybe a fight. Nudity. Nude. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> Yeah, maybe they'll they'll start their own strip club. Oh, there you go. Instead Sid- of of the Sid- year, we can have Nob of the Year. <laughs> Sydney State will be lined up outside. Oh, I hope Steel Sidebottom shows up. <laughs> He's already semi-naked. <laughs> oh, shit. So we had people retire this, this weekend, and the last weekend, actually, which, you know, is inevitable. But the way teams handle it has been a little bit different. But we had an example of how to do it from several teams who basically made a, a huge song and dance about some of their players retiring. You had Carlton, who had a fantastic farewell to Cade Simpson, and I'm pretty sure they would have had the same for Matthew Cruiser had he been fit enough to play. So they basically made the game about him. They, Cade Simpson was very good in the game. He was, he was a fantastic player, and people were like, oh, maybe he should go around again. He... Uh, really uh, stepped up in his last game. We saw Bryce Gibbs given a fantastic send-off by Adelaide last week, where he was carried off the ground by his old teammates at Carlton as oh, well, which was really sweet. nice. We also had Ben Stratton, Hawthorne captain, and Paul Puopolo, both premiership players. They were given a great farewell by Hawthorne this week, to the point where I pulled you out and showed you in the last quarter where they moved the defender forward and basically worked to get him a goal. But I was so stressed I couldn't watch because I yeah, thought, no, oh no, what if, he, what if he misses? And then I had to leave, but then it was all okay. Yeah, so th- th- <sighs> that's the farewell. Now, Hawthorne's really done a bit of a 180 here. A, a few years ago, they were getting rid of guys like Luke Hodge, letting him sign with other teams. Uh, Sam Mitchell, they traded to West Coast to give him a, an option to continue playing and then move into coaching. Jordan Lewis to Melbourne to elongate his career as well. And now all of a sudden, in the last couple of years, they've really brought it back. They gave Jared Roughhead the farewell game last year, and he kicked six goals, so it was a fantastic story, and Hawthorne won against Gold Coast. This year again, against Gold Coast, they had Stratton and Puopolo retire. They made the game about them. 
both guys starred for Hawthorne, and it's a really great finish to their career. But then you have Essendon, who had a guy named Tom Belchambers, who's been a real warrior for them over the years. He was fit. It was his last game. He could have played, and Essendon had nothing to gain by leaving him out. And they didn't play him. So at the end of the game, the teams lined up, as they do for people who are retiring, and you know, they clap them off and stuff. And Tom Belchamers actually came out from the race, out from off the ground. Oh, awkward. And then walked through that and like met his coach and shook hands because it was the coach's last game as well. And I'm like, that was actually really clumsily done. When you have someone from your team retire who has meant something to the club, and I, and I may be mistaken, and Essendon fans can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think Belchamers has been very good for them over the last however many years. And you reckon he might have deserved a bit of a crack at a last game, at a farewell game. But they didn't do it. And I'm like, this kind of stuff, I don't know how it, how it sits with supporters, but I don't think it would sit very well with teammates. Amazingly, today stories come out about senior Essendon players not very happy with the way it was handled. One of the names that's been bandied around, around is um, Adam Saad, who's out of contract, and has been already linked to Melbourne, but... He's not... Yeah, look at you jumping around. You're back for St Kilda. What are you doing? I'm back for, for many teams. <laughs> <laughs> so, he, he doesn't seem too happy about it. The other one's Kale Hooker, who's been mentioned. And Essendon are in a, in a spot where they've already lost Connor McKenna. They're going to lose Fantasia. Arazio Fantasia. And that's no great loss, because I think he's been horrible for them for two years. And quite possibly Joe Danaher. I'm like, okay, why would you risk alienating more of your players by not paying respect to the guy who's retiring and give him one last shot at it? The other teams did it really, really well. I think Essendon really cocked it up. So not a great move by them. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Jordan Ridley won their best and fairest. It's been a great turnaround for him. I'm just looking at a few upside things for Essendon because, you know, it's not all about whacking them. Andrew McGrath was um, leading the best and fairest council. He got injured. But I reckon they've still got too many outside players masquerading as inside mids. you got Scheel, Merritt, Heppel, and McGrath, who are all suited to outside running positions. They're not really inside mids, and they're being forced to play that position. How they address this right now for the long term will play a huge part in how Essendon either improve or decline over the next 12 to 18 months. It's not really right to talk about it as he's still playing and will be playing in the finals, but I'd be throwing the, the, the checkbook at Ollie Wines from Port Adelaide and saying, hey, we want you over here, either him or Brad Crouch. And as a backup, I'd be looking at Will Brody from the Gold Coast Suns who can't get a game up there and saying, come on down with us. We've got a spot for you in the middle work hard and it's yours so then you really need to really need to get on top of this inside midfield position because they just got no one that can actually hold it down at the moment so we spoke about awards a little bit earlier and i can see you getting ready because uh this is this is your time to shine we've got some mongrel awards coming up in the next couple of weeks but one of the highly highly anticipated awards perhaps the most anticipated award is mrs mongrel's top three players of the season I want to hand over to you because I know you've got probably 15 to 20 minutes on each player. 
13 minutes? Oh, 10 seconds. Sorry. This was hard because I don't watch games. So. <laughs> That's what you get from the mongrel pun. Yep. Speculation. <laughs> well, first off, the top player of the season. It's Petrarca. I mean, everybody knew that. What's his first name? Christian. Oh, good work. I know that. What did so, you say? Legs like cannons. Did I? Yeah, you did. Oh, okay. Um, and sometimes you say, look at his thighs. <laughs> so what, is, what has led you, besides his thighs, to this decision? Clean cut, nice looking fella. Yeah, do you know he did his knee, like really early in, in his career, and probably set him back a little while, and he's only now just realising his potential. That's amazing. Not really. Happens to a lot of people. Does it? Yeah, but... In this specific instance, it happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I have no reasoning. Okay. Okay, Next. number two. Hang on, so is he the winner? Yeah. Why don't you start at three and go two, one? Well, because it's, there's actually no number one. I just wrote three names down. Oh, right. So they're all winners in your book. <laughs> they're all number one. There we big, go. Big clap for everybody in a gold star. Yeah, participation award. <laughs> exactly. So number two is Jack Steele. Ooh, good choice. Yeah. I actually think Jack Steele, if I was a player, which I'm obviously not, <laughs> but if I was, you get a vote in the Most Valuable Player Award. So every player in the league gets to cast a vote. You can't vote from someone on your own team. It's got to be someone from the other teams. I would vote for him. Wow. Given the work he's done at St Kilda this year, I think he's been fantastic. That would be such an honour, that award. Be great, but you know what the problem is? What? A lot of the players don't watch other people's games. Okay, that's a bit crap, but... You know who's made a difference. Yeah, when who you you're play playing them. against. Yeah. So that person could just have a massive game against you and have 16 other really crap games. But you're like, hey, they did really well against us. I'm voting for him. The team actually has to nominate three players that you can vote for. Interestingly, Patrick Cripps, no nomination this year. Oh. Couldn't even vote for him if you wanted to. But we digress. Let's jump on to the third player. Caleb Daniel. Caleb Daniel. I think he's a sneaky chance to make the All-Australian team. Is he? Yeah. I didn't have him in my list before, and I won't have him in my team. I'm sorry. But he's right on the cusp. If you were naming the, the best 40 players in the league, I reckon he'd be in it this year. You, you saw him without his helmet on. Oh, I did. That was terrible. What has he done? He's got frosted tips in his hair. Yeah, he, just, he f- just a key hint to all men <laughs> and all women, do not use frosted tips. It's awful. You look bad. You just look bad. So Isaac Rankin lost his, oh. and it looks like Caleb Daniel picked them up and stuck them in his hair. <laughs> and what did I say when I saw him? You were, you were very disappointed. I was no, I mean Isaac. Oh, Rankin! I said he's a good, clean-cut looking young boy. I said, I said, oh, he's a handsome young man now. Well, I was good close. Job that was pretty much I was yeah. semi-paying attention. <laughs> That's it. Those are my three top players. Three, uh, you actually surprised me. You picked three very good picks there. There you go. Look at oh, me. I was expecting, you know, Gary Rowan and... I do like... I do... Yep. Mm. I do well, like redheads. <laughs> uh, I hope I'm not giving away something we're going to talk about a bit later on. One of the uh, the listener questions. So while the reward's coming up, we've got our Mongrel 50, which will be released slowly over the next week and a half before finals begin. And from then we might just uh, segue into the Mongrel player of the finals, but I haven't sprung you on... Sprung that on you just yet. The Mongrel player of the finals... Well done. Great idea. What? Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> what is happening? Uh, we've been keeping tabs on our wingman of the year, so I've got to come up with a name for this award. Do we call it the Robert Flower Award? 
Robert Flower, fantastic wingman for Melbourne all through the 70s and 80s. The Keith Gregg Award. Call it the Flower Award. No, not the Flower Award. Yeah. I'm not calling it a medal because I don't want to give anyone a medal. No, I don't want to pay for a medal to send to anyone. No, no. If it's just an award, we can say, yes, you won the award, congratulations. (laughs) Keith Gregg won two Brownlow medals playing on the wing. But people rate him and Robert Flower pretty much equal. The Peter Matera Award, it could be. Wingman from the 1990s, fantastic player for West Coast. So yeah, no medal, but we'll be announcing that in the next couple of weeks. The Defensive Player of the Year Award, I mean, who do we name that after? Alex Rance. People would be pissed off if we named it after Alex Rance. It's too soon. It is too soon. Too soon. Matthew Scarlett Award. Who's Matthew Scarlett? He's a bit of, you know, Matthew Scarlett, fantastic full back, but he's a bit of a belligerent prick at times, you know. He, he punched someone in the mouth one day just because he was annoying him on the field, which was great. It was Hayden Ballantyne. And you really don't need a reason to punch Hayden Ballantyne. That Ballantyne was mouthing off to me and just clipped him right in the chin. There you go. Fantastic effort. Maybe we will call it the Matthew Scarlett Award. <laughs> the Stephen Silvani Award. No, they call it the Joe Award. The Joe Silvani Award. Yeah. Only Stephen can win that, Bless. though. <laughs> Maybe we should call it the Spud for All the Award. It's been just over a year since he passed away. You know, maybe a few people get on board with that one. Did or... he punch anyone? Lots of times in the back of the head. As really? Going for the... Yeah, yeah. He used to really advocate for people <laughs> punching people in the back of the head. <laughs> and pretend they were trying to go for the football. That's hilarious. Yeah, he's called the ear massage. Oh my gosh. Anyway, we'll we'll get onto that. Mungrel Australian team I, I mentioned. And after the season concludes, we'll be giving out our awards for the best performance in a single game in defence, in the midfield, and as a forward. So they are the Dooleys, named after Bruce Dool for the defenders. The Swannies, named after Dane Swan in the midfield. And the Pluggies, named after Plugger Lockett in the forward line. What about the Rucks? Ah, screw them. <gasps> Call it the Todd. The Todds. The Todds. <laughs> the Todds. <laughs> yeah, the Todds. That'd be great. All these cool looking kids with their jumpers tied around their necks. Contending for that one. Finally, we've been voting each week in the Mongrel of the Year Award. Sam Markolin's been compiling them. I actually don't know who went, who's leading. I have no idea who's who's won this. Lost control of your team. Look, I think Sam lost a bit of control of the voting at one stage by his own, own admission, but he's reined it back in, and now he's just waiting for us to send him our round 18 votes so we can compile the Mongrel of the Year Award. So hopefully I'm speaking truth here, and Sam is actually on top of it, because if he's not... We'll postpone that award till next year and have a double Mongrel of the Year award next year. Sam? (laughs) So before we uh, wrap up this section, we might jump to our listener questions. First one is for you, Mrs. Mongrel. I don't even need you to talk about this. Radley, I'm very excited. Radley, we should be so, so, so pumped because I think we're going to win it all and all the other teams are just going to crash and burn and then the supporters are going to cry like little sad babies. Right. So his question, so his question was around um, St Kilda playing in the finals and how excited you should be. Now, for someone who doesn't watch football, Mrs Mungrel, insanely excited about it, and I think we might actually get her to sit down and watch the St Kilda Bulldogs game if that's the game next week because she kind of likes the Bulldogs oh, too. I do. And she'll be torn. There'll be tears. There'll be fits of rage. And then Mrs Mungrel will come into the room and she'll probably do the same thing. <laughs> So, Radley, she's been very excited. She is claiming it, whether she uh, admits it on this podcast or not. 
but she believes that she's at least 35% responsible for their success this year. No, look, I can't be responsible. I think it's Radley. Radley? Yeah. He's stuck fat with them. He's just uh, pulled them out of the doldrums and... And just on that... Up and running. I wrote on the weekend about how... Yeah, this is not a fairy tale for St Kilda. They actually took the bit between their teeth and really took this season on. So a lot of teams are like, oh, it's a fairy tale story. They've come from down the bottom. They're doing this, they're doing that. No, 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 no. They went out. They recruited really, really well. They picked up five players who have all contributed fantastically. They let Jack Steele go. Jack Steele, sorry. They let Jack Stephen go to Geelong. He wanted to go. Okay, you don't want to be here. Off you go. They let Josh, Josh Bruce go to the Western Bulldogs. And the forward line has functioned better without him. So they've made great moves. They've hired a very, very good coach. And they deserve success. So if they win the first final, I'll be wrapped for him. So will I. But you'll be sad for the Bulldogs. I will. Maybe they won't play the Bulldogs. So this is why I don't want to Maybe follow play. sports. It's too hard. You know, I get attached to eight or nine teams and then they have to play each other. and it's just. <laughs> I think if they play Collingwood, we'll be on the same page. Will we? What will that page be? We want St Kilda to win and Collingwood to play. You, you're answering this question the way I used to answer questions when a teacher would call on me at school. <laughs> this is oh, how... This HB, is... do you know the answer to this? Yes, it's um, this, is it? That's how I answer questions in meetings at work. I'm just like, what? You need to repeat all of that and also the 10 minutes prior to you asking the question. Next question. David asks, does the mongrel have a crush on the eagles? Look, they're a good band and all, No, but... they weren't. Hey, Johnny, come lately. Get out of the house. There's a new kid in town. Terrible. Can we cut that bit? No, no, no I'm, just... I'm keeping that in. God damn. It was that bad. I've seen another one. They do look great in their uniforms. Yeah, you like the uniforms. I don't have a crush on the Eagles, but I do like several of their players. Liam Ryan, Brad Shepard, Tom Barris, Nick Nat, I think are fantastic. Liam Duggan is growing on me. But, I mean, this Collingwood... I don't have a crush on Collingwood at all. But I do like, you know, Darcy Moore, Braden Maynard, Pendlebury. You can't not like Pendlebury. Dugowie as a player, not as a person per se. But, uh, you know, looking at Frio, I like Tabiner, Luke Ryan, Chera Brayshaw, Sarong. There's players you like on every team. I think maybe just because we do have a lot of readers from WA and I suppose that Eagles articles get a heap of traction on our site. It may seem like I have a bit of a thing for the Eagles. I have a mad thing for the Eagles. I did tip I them to win the flag. To go to Perth. Hear that, Mrs. Mungrel? She's uh, trying to hook someone in to put us up in Perth. Get us out of this corona-infested <laughs> cesspool. If anyone knows how to smuggle us out? Yeah. <laughs> I've just been putting stamps on myself and trying to jam myself into a letterbox. <laughs> Explains a lot. Mm-hmm. I've got those scars and stuff on my head. Adam would like us to talk about Scott Pendlebury breaking Collingwood records tonight. Most games as captain, I think, and most games for the club. He's tied with Tony Shaw at the moment on 313. Where does he rate? Where would you rate him, Mrs. Mungrel? Is he the best Collingwood player you've seen in the last two years since you've been watching football? Easily. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd have him level with Bucks right about now. I suppose Bucks has a couple more best and fairest awards. He's got got a Brownlow as well. But Pendles has a Norm Smith medal. That's uh, pretty impressive, winning the best on ground in the grand final. He's also got a flag. It's something that every player aspires to, and Bucks doesn't have it, and Pendlebury does. 
they're very different players. I reckon Buckley's the sort of player that would probably walk out and expect people to follow him. And I reckon Pendlebury's the sort of player that would walk out and embrace the team and bring him with him. So different types of leaders. Seen some really good magpies over the journey. Dacos, Mullane amongst them. I'm probably a little bit too young to remember Coventry. He was playing in like 30s. (laughs) (laughs) Just a fraction. I don't know when he was playing, but it was way before my time. But in terms of modern day greats, I reckon it comes down to Pendlebury and Buckley. And given what I've seen over the last couple of years, the way Pendlebury's rebounded from 2018, I think, which was a pretty poor year, maybe 17, I can't remember. If I was forced to choose, I reckon I'd take Pendlebury and I reckon he's got a couple of years left where he'll distance himself from Buckley as well and might go down as one of the greatest Collingwood players of all time. Now, you thought he looked lordly the first time you saw him. Yeah. Like, you were like, who's that guy? Is that Lord Lord Pendlebury? And then you change his name to Pendleton for some reason. <laughs> it looks like he should be in, like, the English countryside. Just residing over a manor. Yeah. Yeah. And Maynard's his, uh, his cousin who just hangs around on the estate. Yeah. 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 And plots. Yeah. Plots to take him down. Usurp the fortune. Yeah. Little does he know. I don't know. Something. <laughs> but little does he know anything, really. <laughs> It's just like the poor cousin. He was never educated. Oh, no. It's getting worse and worse. (laughs) JB wants to talk about the sackings in the AFL media and why they're getting rid of people who write about footy and keeping people who write clickbait rubbish. Is it nepotism? Because I'm pretty sure that's the only reason I do anything. (laughs) What if I ask you and say, please, I'm your husband. (laughs) We're related. Come on. I think it's the way of the world in media in general at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter if someone's writing quality or producing quality. Hit count, it's how many people click, mm. it's absolute rubbish. I was listening to Mark Robinson, you know, Robbo, who does AFL 360. Yep. And he was talking about not getting bang for your buck with articles. And so he used the example of if Sydney plays Richmond and the Swans win and Dane Rampey has a really good game, he might end up you know, writing an article about how great Dane Rampey is and he looks at the stats at like 10 o'clock the next morning and it's had like 500 reads. Whereas if Richmond win and Dustin Martin has a massive game and he writes an article about how great Dusty was, it's 10,000, 15,000 reads online by that time. So it all depends. That It's all about There's something clicks. just unsavory about it. And I know that's how things work, but yeah. Well, part of the reason we started the Mongrel Punt was because you basically told me, put put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> Actually, it didn't cost me anything. It cost you money. But <laughs> yep. you, you basically said, stop bitching about the quality of the AFL media and give an alternative. So, you know, I, I know what sort of articles that I want to read. I know what sort of articles I want to write. I know what sort of little nuances I want to focus on. And because we run our own place, we're able to do that. I'm not sure AFL journos have that that freedom at all of course they don't they have to get a certain number of hits or clicks or likes and it's that's how you keep your job so if you look at the big stories on on any social media kind of page it's all about like a scandal it is or backroom bullshit and you, you listen to some of the footy shows like footy classified that's basically all they talk about very little around the game of football a whole heap of stuff around who's doing what and who offended so-and-so and why this is wrong and my opinion on this is that. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. He gets drunk and uh, runs around half naked. 
Yep, yep. Who's who's fighting at the kebab shop? You know, a lot of that sort of stuff. That's a real shame. So I'm guessing that the JB is alluding to the fact that a bloke named Mark McGowan uh, was let go from the AFL website this past week. Good, good, good writer. I've enjoyed his stuff and and that as well. Um, I seen on his profile on Twitter he's a dad by two, so he can't afford just to sit back and wait for you know things to fall on his lap. He's going to have to go out and find a job somewhere. Um, in this climate, we wish him all the best. Uh, we don't have the budget at the Mongrel Park. <laughs> we don't have a budget for stop. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he'll be picked up by someone that can pay him a wage pretty quickly. And it'll be a bit of a shame that if he doesn't stay connected to the game at all, because I really enjoyed his stuff. Anyway, DJK, Daniel John Kershaw. I think he's trying to get back in your good graces here. He's already in my good books again. Hang on. Did you just not... Pay out on him last week on this podcast? Oh, yeah. He hurt my feelings terribly by saying a lot of nice things about Nicolas Cage. But I know that Nicolas Cage is the kind of man who would just be like, well, that's all right. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. I can't because I would not. Well, you know. Shame him. Don't. Don't you dare. Everybody's entitled to it. What do you think you're doing? I'm rocking side to side like Nicolas (laughs) Cage would. You're lucky I don't cut all my hair off as well and have a big, long mullet. Party, party at the back. No, nothing going on at the front. Nicholas Cage is all party. Thank you no, very not. much. So anyway, he wants to know. He's back in my good books. Oh, he's back in. He wants to know uh, who's in your twenty-two best-looking players in the league. Yeah, I saw Catherine left a follow-up message that yeah, she'd like to see see a list. Yeah, well, I'm very intrigued by this because uh, you said while you were compiling this list or starting to at least that uh, you have strange taste in looks. And yeah. I'm sitting there thinking, what? <laughs> I do. <laughs> How did it... It's news to me. Uh, I thought I was relatively attractive. but uh, You're a seems... handsome fella. What was that? Sorry? You're a very handsome fella. Just put it on loop. <laughs> that might be my ringtone. <laughs> right, so if we can just jump into uh, your list of, uh, of handsome AFL players. How many have we got? We've got four. Wow, you've really, really knocked this out of Look, the park. <laughs> Daniel, you can't spring these kind of questions on me. It's um, Especially since I don't actually pay that much attention to football. So how did you uncover these players? Just These the are four players that I already knew of. Mm-hmm. So you didn't just start perusing the AFL I app have... like I recommended. No, no, I did. Okay. I did. But I have a bit of a problem because it just feels really unsavory to be looking at young men... A good <laughs> 10 to 16 years younger than me. As opposed to men who look at women, let's just say, 12 years younger than them <laughs> and possibly marry them. <laughs> like I said, you're a good looking fella. Yeah. yeah you you've up. got some redeeming anyway, qualities. Let's jump into who you got there. Look, number one on the list, and actually I think it might be number one on the list, and the one that I just feel quite not okay with, Petrarca. Is it the thighs? It's the thighs. But he's so young, it's gross. Do you reckon he'd chafe, chafe a lot? I don't even want to think about that, thank you. I'm going to move on to the next one. <laughs> I think one. you have to wear bike Believe shorts him. all the time. You know what? He can be the junior good-looking player. Do you know how old is he? I don't know, like ah, 20? Look at me asking you how old players are without notice. No, he's not. He's like 24. Is he? Yeah. Oh, that's, he's, that's, he's not a baby. That's all right. Oh, thank God. I felt very conflicted and I told you he had a knee reconstruction. It's taken him a while to get... Oh, yeah, you point. did. But you only told me that before. That's yeah. true. All right, off you go. Pendleton. Lord Pendleton's attractive. Yeah, he's a good-looking guy. Is that because he's lordly? No, he's just a good-looking guy. Well, you know what? Today he breaks a record at Collingwood. 
He becomes their longest-serving captain. I reckon this accolade <laughs> he's on my list of supersedes all of them. I think he's, he's top four. I think he's very good-looking, and I think part of that is that you feel like if you walked past him or, like, he'd be polite. Possibly. Yeah, he seems like he'd be a very polite kind of guy. I sometimes see him out at work. There you go. Is he I polite? I don't talk to him. <laughs> no, Maybe I will now and go, hey, you know my weird. missus? <laughs> my missus voted you the second... <laughs> Best looking player, except... If you assassinate Christian Petrarca, <laughs> you rock it to the top. Shoot him in the thigh, he wouldn't even know. No, he wouldn't. No, you just shake it off. What's that? Oh, bullet again. <laughs> Third is Charlie Dixon. Charlie Dixon? Left field, I know. Yep, Charlie he, Dixon. Because he looks like a musician you would like. <laughs> if he sat there with a guitar and just started strumming it, Mrs. Mungrel listens to the same song... Sung by about 15 different people. Yeah. Sounds pretty. like it's just one dude with a guitar playing yeah. a song. Usually and they, they have all a beard. Stand the same, and they all have a beard. Yeah, they could. I think they got a jug as well. <laughs> <laughs> Very hillbilly. And the fourth one, you just reminded me, Gary Rowan. Oh. Yeah, look. Redheads for the win. Now. Off mic before, you told me I'm not allowed to call them red knobs anymore. No, it's so rude. You're so awful. Hey. Sometimes. Some of my favourite players are red knobs. Clayton Oliver, I really like his style. You do. You sing his praises. Yeah. Uh, look, he's a bit sloppy with delivery sometimes, but uh, he knows how to win the ball. He's got great hands. Anyway, I'm stealing your segment. Gary Rowan. He's got burgundy hair, not red. It's red. It's like a glass of red. Someone tipped it all over his head. I don't drink wine. No, I was like, you've got no idea. <laughs> anyway, so I'm sorry, Daniel, that's four. And Catherine, I'm sorry. It's only four, but I'll It's a two-parter, and pull she did 18 say... 18 next So time. she's going to go four this week and 18 next week, just to balance it out. I'm going to have to watch the football. Yeah. So. so, through the magic of podcasting, I'll be back in, like, five seconds with a wrap-up of the Collingwood and Port Adelaide game, even though it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and then we'll talk a little bit about the the final eight brackets and how it's going to look first week of the finals as well. Yeah, sorry if this podcast has been a bit sketchy. We're, we're pretty fatigued yeah. at uh, the moment. I tend to go off on a tangent here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks, guys. We'll be back very, 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 actually about five hours. All right, talk soon. And we're back by the magic of podcasts. We're back. And it's only 9.43, so you're still alive. No. Oh, sorry. She's the walking dead. It's about 20 minutes past your bedtime. Yeah. Our yeah, daughter hasn't right. called out to you as yet and demanded your attention. So Can't believe it. I did a, a great night. job. What a night. This is one for the ages. <laughs> so I'm just back now after watching Port Adelaide win, uh, beat Collingwood. And we'll just go through a couple of the results from that and how the finals look going forward. But firstly... Port used probably a five-minute blast in the third quarter to get over Collingwood. They had a, a mismatch at one point with Robbie Gray on Darcy Moore. Probably the only time I saw Darcy Moore beaten for the whole game. And Robbie Gray had the ball on the ground, hit the hit it hard, turned quickly. Moore couldn't keep up with him. He set up Sam Pepper for a goal. He had Dan Houston. I think he had six intercept marks, not possessions, marks, in the first half. He ended up with eight for the game. And our old buddy BT, someone asked today on the, I think it was Lyle, asked on the site, why is he... Brian Taylor. Yeah, Brian Taylor. Why is he such a dick? And I was thinking, 
Uh, BT, he's not that bad. Anyway, Brian then questioned what an intercept mark was. He's like, well, he's getting a lot of these just sitting in the hole and marking the ball from the other people's kicks, which is an intercept. intercept. I think he might have got a bit confused with contested marks. And uh, Hang on, even I know what the difference is there. I think you should submit your application to, ch- to Channel 7 because, BT, an intercept mark is when you take a mark from the opposition's kick. It's not freaking hard. But he got a bit confused, the old fella. Um, one thing I, I did notice from the game, I'm not liking how the umpires are, how readily the umpires are paying downfield free kicks for what I think is incidental contact. So a guy's about to kick the ball, a defensive player runs at him to put pressure on, and as he, or just after he kicks it, like we're talking a split second, there'll be body contact, and the guy will get knocked over, and the umpire's paying it downfield free kick. I'm like, oh, it happened one one to each team, so it's not like it was one over the other. One of them, I think it was Xavier Dersma, put pressure on Josh Dacos and knocked him over just as he was kicking the ball. And it's such a big penalty because it's like a 50-meter kick downfield. They get to take it. It happened again against um, against someone in the third quarter against the Pies as well. So I think they're a bit quick on the trigger with that. Love the work of Robbie Gray. Played a really, really good third quarter. Probably a really good first three quarters. Tom Rockliffe looks like he's loving life back in Queensland. Um, playing up there at the Gabba. Played a lot of football up there. And wonder why he ever left. He's was fantastic. A double-figure clearances again tonight. Tom Jonas on Jordan Dugowie. Dugowie had nine goals in the last two games he played. Only got one tonight. For the Pies, Pendlebury was good. Got chaired off by Grundy and Moore at the end, which was nice. Jack Crisp, really good. More great again in defence. Did his All-Australian claims no harm at all. And what does it all mean, Mrs Mungrel? Well, what, is, what it means is that Port played Geelong, first week of the finals. Geelong gave him a nice 10-goal touch-up earlier in the, in the year. So Port, they'll be looking for a bit of revenge. At the same time, Geelong will be pretty happy to get them again. You've got Brisbane versus Richmond. Now, the Lions haven't beaten... Richmond for 12 straight games or something like that. They're going to have to really pull one out of the hat, kick straight and break a hoodoo. West Coast will play Collingwood in Western Australia. Very, very, very tantalizing game, that one. The loser, straight out. So you'd think West Coast would have the edge over there. However, Collingwood have played some really good games over there. They won a final over there in 2018. Not beyond the realms of possibility they can get up. Still, I put my money on put money on West Coast every time, and St Kilda play the Dogs. I love this because it means one of them will be there in the last six. So this this would be a team a, a, a matchup where the teams come in. You think ah oh, the Saints they'll probably go out first week of finals. Oh the Dogs they might go out first week of finals. One of these teams is guaranteed to get through. Where's your money? Did you say St Kilda and all of that? I said St Kilda versus the Dogs. Yeah, St Kilda. I know what you're thinking about. You're thinking about... Do you about actually know what I was thinking about then? Some sort of pie? Uh, yes. <laughs> I was thinking about pie. Yeah, well, it's past oh, your bedtime. No. And if you're still up at this time of night, I figure. I'm usually thinking about pie. Gee, you know yeah. me well. Okay, sorry. Yeah, carry on. cake. Now, I want to get to this question because after we started recording, we had a couple more questions come on on our Facebook feed. Elise has asked the question that you've been pining for. What are your top five Nicolas Cage movies? Oh, look, it leads out with the 
National Treasure. Wait, wait, we go five to one or one to five? One to five. One to five. All right, go for it. Start with National Treasure. Yes. What what is it about this movie? Secret Lies with Charlotte. Just love it. I love it. Everything about it is just... Spoiler alert, Charlotte's a boat. Unbelievable. That's pretty early in the piece. (laughs) Anyway, keep going. And then National Treasure 2. Oh, come on. No, I will not. If there was a National Treasure 3, which there should be, and if COVID wasn't a thing, we'd totally go to the movies and see it. And I dragged my friends along. That's why you don't have any friends. They'd be very upset. (laughs) (laughs) All right, number three. Oh, it's fallen off a cliff already. No, no, we haven't. Face off. You haven't seen Face Off, have you? I have no desire to see Face Off at all. God, you are missing out. It is is great. It is the most nonsensical. Two guys swap faces. How can they get mistaken? They still have the same voice. Shut up. It's you like, know hey, nothing you sound like that criminal now. Hey, you sound like that Nicholas FBI Cage. agent. Anyway, and after that, oh, The Rock. What about him? I like The Rock. He's got his own top five, I think. But, yeah. The Rock. The Rock. Did I put you onto that? You did. Yeah. You got me to watch it. I loved it. Yep, The Rock. Very good movie. Slightly younger Nicolas Cage. Wasn't expecting... Uh... What, what uh, accent does Sean Connery screw up in this one? Is there one? No, he's just him. Oh, he just plays a Scottish guy. Yeah. Wow, that's a stretch. <laughs> and number five? And number five, bit out of left field. I don't think you've seen this one. City of Angels. Mm, I haven't seen that one. Oh, Another one I have no plan. Where does the Croods come into this? Oh, yeah, the Croods was good. Yeah, the Croods was pretty good. Some of his best work. Um, now, didn't he, get, didn't he win an Oscar at one point? Was it for leaving Las Vegas? Possibly. Why, why, why isn't that getting the Guernsey here? What about the family man? What about the wicker man? Have you ever thought that I have terrible taste? In men? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Evidently. And we've got one more question before we wrap up. Keith has asked, why shouldn't players stay in Queensland after the season? I don't mind them staying up there at all. I think there's a bit of... Why shouldn't they? Uh, I think there's people thinking that maybe the players will get up to no good yep. up there. And if they do, punish them. Oh, if they're going to screw up... Let them screw up up there. If, they, yeah, up if they're going to do it, let them do it and then punish them. But I don't think they should be made to go home. If they're up there already and they they haven't got COVID, you know, they're young fellas. Let them sow their wild oats on some of them poor unsuspecting Queensland people. To, to be honest, I don't think they'd be so unsuspecting. A couple of, you know... Right, right up for it even. Yeah. <laughs> Man, woman, or beast. <laughs> anyway, Very so, good, Nick. so we might leave it there. You're looking pretty tired. I'm feeling pretty tired. And yeah. I've got a game review to write now, the, the Pies and the Power. So I best get stuck into it. Good night, everyone. Mrs. Mungrel, always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>